30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard Welcome to This Podcast is a Ritual, an ongoing magical ritual that spans time and space and includes everyone who ever has or ever will listen, which of course, if you're listening, includes you. So welcome. My name's Devin Person, and I'm a wizard, and this is part of an ongoing series within this podcast ritual that I'm calling The Wizard Speaks. As, again, you're listening to me talk, and I'm a wizard, we've already achieved the medium of communication that the Wizard Speaks describes. Promised and delivered. Here we go. Now, while normally I have essays that I'm kind of going into, or interviews with guests, or more experimental content, this is just freeform. This is just me talking and putting some ideas out there. And as I've started to do this more, I've realized that there's a fear that I've bumped up against. And this is the fear of repeating myself because I've been doing a podcast for five years and I honestly have no idea what I've said on most of it. Uh, I'll get messages from listeners from time to time and they'll be like, oh, wow, this thing that you said in this episode, wow, that really that really resonated. And I'll be like, wow, that's amazing. I'm so glad to hear that. And then I'll have to kind of check in with myself and go, I said what now? In what episode? Hold on, maybe let me go back and look at that. I mean, sounds pretty impressive when they described it to me, but I honestly can't remember saying it. And so maybe it's just my bad memory. Maybe it's just because I started smoking weed at the age of 13. Who knows? But it could also be the wizard archetype moves through me in a trance-like state, and so I don't retain these experiences, and they just kind of flow. I don't know. Six of one, half a dozen of the other, maybe. But especially as I'm trying to do introductions and think about what I want to say. I have thoughts that repeat in my head all the time. And so as I sit down to record, sometimes I'll search back through docs and I'm like, have I used this metaphor before? Have I given this example? Am I just saying the same thing over and over? And as I was getting ready to sit down today and say different things, forcing myself to not accidentally repeat myself, I suddenly realized there's a lot of power in repetition and that for today, I'd like to just lean into it because one of the main things that was a huge inspiration for me in my early days of becoming a wizard, that weird time where I didn't have a white beard, I didn't really have wizard robes, I wasn't known as a wizard, I didn't have a podcast, I didn't have pretty much any of the things that I now have today that really help affirm that identity of I am a wizard. And I was just walking around New York City, thinking about magic all the time, and specifically listening to all of the Joseph Campbell lectures, which at that time were available on Spotify, which was great. I could just listen to them again and again and listen to different ones. And one of the things that I realized that I really liked about those lecture series 
is they were recorded over his life and just archived. It wasn't a podcast. He wasn't producing content for an audience. It was only later on that the Joseph Campbell Foundation even really started to kind of put together talks and say, oh, okay, here's this one that he gave on Jung and Tara, or here's this one about, you know, um, the uh, mythic elements of ancient India or whatever it might be. And they kind of collected those talks and cleaned them up and put some track listings on them and put them out in the world. Which means that as Joseph Campbell was explaining his ideas to different audiences at different times in different contexts, he re-said the, a lot of the same things. Like he, he repeated himself often because this wasn't just all online and people were going to go, oh, I watched that video. I've already heard this. They're excited to hear the speaker. Maybe they've read one of his books. But some of these things like the mythic functions uh or the fun the four functions of mythology, you know, he says again and again and again across these different talks. And what I realized was that rather than getting annoying or finding myself having an urge to fast forward, it was nice hearing it explained again because it helped it sink in. Each time I heard it, there was a little bit of a different twist, or I even kind of recognized, oh, there's that line. He loves to use that line. And that really brought it into my own understanding in a way where there are so many books I've read that blew my mind. And if you asked me to summarize, I could barely give you anything. That's why I own books. I have to go look at them on the shelf and be like, why did I like this one? But with Joseph Campbell, I could tell you a lot about the the four functions of mythology about how the it orients us to the world around us because the experience of of life is monstrous and life consumes life and how it helps us um find meaning and go through that arc of our own personal experience as we get old and we have to go through different life stages um all of that has kind of soaked down within me because of that repetition. So for today, I wanted to just kind of go through some of my greatest hits in a way. You know, there's ideas that I'm aware of that have been very helpful to me and that I think form the foundation of how I think about magic. And they've evolved over the five years I've been doing this podcast. So without notes, without trying to, uh, write it all down and and really make sure I articulate everything perfectly. I just wanted to take a moment and repeat some of the favorites. So, of course, we can start with my catchphrase, which uh, I was speaking with a listener on the phone the other day and they ended the call by saying it back to me, which was delightful. And this is, of course, I believe in you. Your magic is real. Now, you may or may not know this. I've certainly talked about it at various times, but... um. I stole this phrase and I use steal as a word to, to kind of emphasize it. And I think it's funny. I don't really think you can steal ideas, but um, yeah, I, I lifted this phrase from an album that I really like by a music group called Yacht that I first saw when it was just, you know, the, the main dude. Um, and it was in like a basement show in Olympia. I probably was like 19 and then I was like, this is cool, weird electronic music. I, I like this. I think he had a thing called a vibe cathedral that he was <laughs> like, here's this electronic thing. It's going to make some sounds. And then later, 
A few years later, a new album came out, a little bit more produced, called I Believe in You, Your Magic is Real. And I just loved the music on this record, but I loved the lyrics too. It really resonated with what I was starting to think about and talk about um, as an early wizard, as a proto-wizard. I didn't even come up with the idea that I was going to be a wizard, but I was definitely thinking about magic and scribbling in notebooks a lot. And there are so many lines that stand out to me, but one of them that I think about often is this song that just repeats, if you say it out loud, you can make it happen. That just giving voice to something is a powerful way to move it towards being. This doesn't mean if you just tell people, oh, I'm going to write a movie, that a movie will be written. There's other pieces that come together, but that statement of intent is crucial to a magic ritual and was how I got started being a wizard. That was the first thing was those conversations where someone goes, so what do you do? And I go, oh my God, how am I going to say this? I'm just going to blurt it out. I'm a wizard. And they're like, what does that mean? And then we'd talk about it and I would kind of figure out what it means. And a lot of those conversations, I was repeating myself or learning that one way that I was describing it wasn't working and people's eyes were glazing over, so I would find different ways. And then the repetitions of what worked stuck around. And then as I started podcasts and writing other things, you know, it kind of distilled into it. So saying it out loud is a very important part of making it happen. As simple as telling, you know, your roommates or a partner that you live with, we should have a party. We should have a dinner party. We should have some people over. Saying that out loud leads directly to that moment where you're like, hey, that was really fun tonight. I'm so glad we got everybody over. That statement of intent creates that follow through. But um, that phrase, I believe in you, your magic is real, just kind of bounced around my head for a while until I was 24. And at that time, I was really into this idea of doing something different every year for my birthday that I'd never done before. Kind of like a bucket list thing. Um, I think when I was 22, I recognized that I'd reached the end of the you've turned an age and now you can do something cool like buy alcohol. Um, I guess you can rent a car more easily at 25, but that wasn't very exciting for me. It wasn't really like, <laughs> can't wait to turn 25 and get a cheaper rate on a car. Uh, so 22, I was like, I've never shot a gun before. I'm going to go shoot a gun for my 22nd birthday. Uh, 23, I went skydiving, never had done that before. That was pretty intense. And then 24, I was like, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a tattoo. And I had no idea what to get. And I put so much pressure on myself because I was like, I don't want to just go and pick out, you know, the Puma old school traditional style thing that's just on somebody's flash. I don't want to just get like a flower or a star. Like I want it to like mean something about who I am. And I thought about that a lot over and over because I was 24, which is a time for many of us to try and really figure out who I am. And finally, I was like, you know what? Wizards are funny. I like magic. What if I got a wizard tattoo? And then I had that feeling that now is so much a part of what I do all the time where I crack up having an idea. That's how I know an idea is good is when I laugh out loud and I'm like, oh my God, yep, that's it. Got it. Nailed it. We're doing that. And so I thought, oh, if I get a wizard tattoo, oh my God, I could say, I believe in you. Your magic is real. Like, that's what I'm doing. 
so that's what I did. I found a tattoo artist that I liked, um, Claudia Billy Baca in Austin, Texas. She did great work. Uh, got this tattoo. It said, I believe in you. Your magic is real. And years later, I was at a video store in Austin and a friend of mine was working at the counter and I forget, I must've been wearing a tank top somehow. Like my wizard tattoo came up and he looked at it and was like, Oh, what does it say? And I'm like, Oh, I believe in you. Your magic is real. He goes, Oh, like Michael Jackson. And I'm like, what? No, it's a yacht album. He's like, no, (laughs) it's from a Michael Jackson speech. And it was, it was when uh, Michael Jackson was winning the artist lifetime achievement award at the VMAs, the MTV video music awards. And he gives this not fully unhinged, but maybe like partially unhinged speech that just like goes on for a long time. And it's kind of rambly and it ends with, and finally, this is for you, David Blaine. I believe in you. Your magic is real. And I was blown away because I, (laughs) I thought I took it from one place And the fact that that person took it from another place and that it had this connection that I never even realized, I don't know. That was, that was, that was pretty significant. And so, yeah, that, that phrase just, um, you know, was just a thing on my arm and like meaningful only to me until my 27th birthday. And at that point I'd realized that I'd kind of run out of like meaningful bucket list stuff. Like I didn't want to be like, Oh, I've never eaten Mac and cheese on a roller coaster before. And you know, I mean like there's like a million places you can go and things you can do. Like I didn't really have any more that felt kind of as clear as they had earlier on. And so that was when I was gearing up to move to New York. And I realized that I wanted to get some magic friend energy from my community at that time. And so I had a mandatory birthday gift that everyone that was coming to my party had to draw their own version of my tattoo of this wizard and that phrase. And some of my friends did little doodles. Some were not great artists and they were little sketches. Some are incredible artists and just turned into stuff that was absolutely mind blowing. There was variations on the wording, but um, it was it was one of the coolest birthday experiences I'd ever had and still have had to this day. Um, I am so grateful for all of the friends who contributed to that. And a couple of weeks after my birthday, I was moving out of my place, getting ready to move to New York. So I put all of these like 20 something drawings that people had created around me and use them for this ritual that was basically like, I'm moving to New York. This is totally intimidating and scary. Like, please let me land on my feet and find the thing that I like can't even imagine now that's waiting for me. Because that's why I moved to New York was this idea that, you know, there would be job opportunities that I didn't know existed. And I had to kind of meet people to realize, oh, hey, that's a thing you can do. And it was one of those magical moments where it was only much later on after I decided to become a wizard that I looked back and I was like, Oh, right. Got the tattoo, got the totemic talismans of friendship, magic of people believing in you of moving to New York of using that. And now you're a wizard. Okay. It all, it all comes together. But now these are words that I say all the time on this podcast. I repeat them often. And I've heard from other people that they've taken these words into their life. They've used them uh, with their community. They've said them to people in important moments, or it's just been helpful to have a down day and hear a wizard say, 
I believe in you. Your magic is real and take that to heart. So that's the idea of a catchphrase. We like repetition. We like when that moment comes that we recognize and we go, oh, there it is again. If I had a million different catchphrases, it would become less clear and more muddled because it's all over the place. So there's that power in repetition. And that brings me to the other thing that I thought of after I was like, oh, I can do an episode about repeating myself is I have a lot of ways that I think about magic and I'm always trying to kind of simple it down, simplify it and distill it down into the essence of, you know, what are the cosmic forces that we're working with? And, you know, Buddhism's played this game for a while of different schools of duality and non-duality and it's all being or it's all non-being and there's a third version that subsumes all duality and yada, yada, yada. But I think at a basic level, the ones that I've started to talk about and think about the most, I call pattern and possibility. You could also call them order and chaos or a million different names if you wanted, but I like pattern and possibility because I really like alliteration. And so for me, all magic, I think, is concerned with one of these two things. We're either trying to create a new possibility, we're trying to break out of a rut and have that moment of excitement and illumination and joy and synchronicity and kind of like, whoa, amazing, like magic is flowing through me and it feels like expansive. Or we're trying to create that pattern of stability and structure and repetition, whether that's an ongoing ritual, whether that's a daily ritual practice, whether that's summoning synchronicities, which are patterns. You know, if you hear a song once, not really synchronicity. If you hear a song once and then it plays three times in random places the next few days, that feels like more meaningful. And so that experience of pattern, I've always thought is, you know, you kind of have to look at where you're at and see which magic you want to work with. Do I feel like my life has lost its luster and I'm kind of just going through the motions? Maybe you want to work with some possibility magic. Mix it up a little bit. Or are you struggling to just get your basic stuff handled and your life feels way too chaotic and sloppy and messy and disorganized? Maybe bringing some pattern in is is what it's all about. And over the time that I've been a human and more specifically the time that I've explored magic and even more specifically the time that I've explored magic as a wizard, I've tried a lot of different systems. I used to make fun of my mom when I was a kid growing up because it would always be like, all right, we've got a new system of how we're going to not have clutter in the house and then it would last for like two weeks and then devolve and then a month later be like, all right, we've got a new system and you know, they were always cycling. But one that I've come back to again and again, kind of as a foundational magical practice, is what I call anchor rituals. And again, these have evolved for me. But in the current form, the idea is that it's some sort of ritual that you do in the morning, not necessarily like the first thing when you open your eyes, but like pretty quick before you get into your day. And then something at the end of the day before you go to bed. And what I've learned is they should be very short and very simple. This is not, you know, 25 minutes of yoga or doing, you know, the lesser banishing of the pentagram eight times or 
you know, some sort of complicated involved thing. It should be a nice, easy little thing that connects you with the symbols, the ideas, the feelings that are meaningful to you and what magic is all about. So mine these days has a lot to do with gnomes. As a wizard, I spent a lot of time trying to do wizard magic about wizards and realized that that's kind of a weird loop and that now I do a lot of magic about gnomes. It's very grounding, focuses on community, big fan of my gnome magic. And so I have an altar with gnomes and I do a little check-in. I repeat the same mantra. It reminds me of these values. I do these uh, kind of mudra-like gestures. But more than anything, if we want to take all the supernatural stuff out of it, it just sets me on a good path for that day. It's just this little bit of, oh, I could just go get breakfast or I could just look at my phone, but no, I'm going to, I'm going to do my morning ritual. And that just kind of creates the pattern that the rest of the day can build upon. And then the evening one is even more important. And after rushing through it, because I was tired, I finally just made an audio recording, so I can't rush through it. It has to be three minutes long. Um, but what I've found with these is when life gets crazy or my mood gets weird and I'm just struggling a bit, it's very easy to think about all the things that I want to be different and all of the improvements that I should make but don't feel up to making and, ugh, you know, it's a spiral. And having these anchor rituals, I'll have that moment where I'm brushing my teeth and I'm like, oh, I'm so tired and I'm just so down. I should just go to bed. I don't even want to do my ritual. And this little voice will go, it's so easy. Just do it. Just just do it. It's so easy. Just take care of it. Just get it done. Just, just, just go do it. Just do it right now. It's going to take three minutes. Literally, it's timed. It's three minutes. Just go do it. You'll feel better. And I go, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's stupid to skip it. I'll, I'll go do it. And just that little bit at the end of the day, that little bit of choosing to do it rather than not do it changes the energy. In the morning, even if I'm still feeling off, I'm like, I've got some momentum. I did the ritual last night and like, okay, let's do my morning ritual. And now let's think about like what else I want to do. And like, okay, I'm, I'm in it. And if I get blown off course completely, if I stop doing my rituals and I'm like, I just can't be bothered. I'm just in a total funk. This sucks. When I'm trying to figure out how to get back on track, first step, well, just do your ritual today. Just wake up and do your ritual. You can figure things out from there. Do it this evening. And so those anchor rituals kind of hold it down. I used to be very into the idea of banishing and closing as the essence of magic. It's where we're opening up. This is the time I do magic. And then we're closing it out and saying, okay, magic over. Let's get on with our life. And that's great. I still like banishing. I think it's, I think it's valuable. But just for having these little moments at the beginning and end of each day, it creates a pattern. It creates repetition. And now it's automatic. Now I'm very consistent. Um, although I have let it go intentionally at times. I've created space. I think not doing is a powerful <laughs> thing that's worth doing, which is paradoxical. But so it's not, you know, about punishing yourself and forcing yourself and being rigid. But when we repeat things like this, they become more automatic. It just becomes something that we do. We don't have to work so hard. People talk about this with healthy eating or the gym. I work with clients on habit formation a lot. And the goal is really to make these kinds of things automatic and unconscious. 
When they're conscious, it feels new. It feels like a lot of work. What am I doing? When I've got it memorized, when I could do it with my eyes closed, that's where it becomes really powerful. And uh, a friend said this to me a while ago about that's one of the powers of magic and ritual is we repeat these things over and over and over until they are living within us that, you know, whether it's some sort of visualization mind palace that we go to all the time or this mantra that we say again and again and again or a ritual where we go step by step that allows us to, in an altered state, whether that's something that's more euphoric that we've worked ourselves toward, we can kind of just put that in. Or if we're feeling bad energy and we want to connect, we're not thinking, oh, well, what should I do? I need to figure it out. Should I get a new book? Should I do something different? Sometimes that newness is a huge barrier. And just being able to do that ritual we know so well really brings us back into ourself. And that's the power of that magic, that whatever's going on, I can drop into that. And over time, I've accumulated a few of these uh, different mantras, different longer form, um, little kind of rhyming spell workings and things like that. And I've experienced that. Um, my, my partner, the poet, and I have a, a one that we say to each other each morning. If we're together, if we're traveling and we're separate, we send each other an audio message. We're going to talk about that more in a, in a future episode. But if there's a moment where I'm feeling down or disconnected or just want to connect with the power of love, I can say those words to myself. I have them deeply memorized and connect with that. And so if we think about that idea of pattern, one of the most ancient forms of magic is all about correspondence, what is connected with what else. And when we create a pattern that isn't just brushing our teeth so our teeth are clean or making coffee so we're feeling energized, that has additional meaning layered over it, that gives us a way to connect with that meaning through the repetition of those actions rather than trying to just feel a different way, to just feel that meaning. And I have experienced this, I, I, I figure this will resonate with, with quite a few of you, of we want our mood to change so then our actions will change, but it really, that's putting the cart before the horse. If we change our actions and do so with our crappy mood, then we can just keep moving and then suddenly that mood will actually shift, takes a little bit longer than we want it to most of the time, and then we're like, oh, okay, I, you know, did my ritual, I did a little workout, which is automatic because I've done it a hundred times now, so I know what I'm doing. And now I'm feeling better rather than one, two, three, feel different. And this is another mantra that I've, I'm sure I've brought up at some point on the podcast, but who knows where, uh, that I shared with a client the other day that I wanted to talk about. And it's, what if the only problem is me thinking there's a problem? And it's a little bit counterintuitive, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of take it slow as we get into this. I'm going to repeat it a lot. What if the only problem is me thinking there's a problem? Now, 
moods are complicated and our understanding of what we would call anxiety or depression is sort of always changing and evolving. But we can just think about the idea that we have uh, awareness and what we're focused on. So some days we're focused on feeling busy and all the things that we've got to do and there's not really time to kind of reflect. Other times we aren't as busy or something's happened that draws our focus to it. And so we engage in this process of self-reflection. Sometimes this is called ruminating where our thoughts just loop over and over. And in this day and age where we're all supposed to be making content, we're all supposed to be social media influencer superstars, we're all supposed to be somehow functioning <laughs> under the crumbling infrastructure of late stage capitalism. Sometimes in our self-reflection moments, we can be a little bit hard on ourselves and we can get into this loop where we're thinking about all the things that we're doing wrong, that aren't great, that are bad in our life and how we need to fix and improve all of them. And there are times where we have legitimate insight, where if we hurt somebody and we're reflecting on and going, wow, I feel really bad. I was a total jerk last night. That's good self-reflection. That's a real problem that has real solutions. But there's other times where it's just a mood. Things were fine on Monday. Things are going to be good again on Wednesday. It's just this Tuesday morning that you woke up feeling kind of down. And now you find yourself looking around wanting to just pull on levers just so something, anything will be different and fixed and be better. And this mood's going to go away. Now, I had this the other day. I woke up and I got a little notification from Spotify about like a question response uh, on the podcast where it's like, did you like this episode? And I couldn't even find the specific thing that it was notifying me about in their interface. But that led me to look at my analytics, which I rarely do. And I don't know. I just it just hit me wrong. And I was like, oh, man, I've done the podcast five years. I feel like it should be bigger. I don't really actually believe that. I think it should be small. I think hearing from listeners all over the world is amazing. The conversations and experiences, that's much better than trying to chase endless growth. I know all of that. But on this particular morning, it just led me to go, oh, geez, I'm probably doing everything wrong. I should really figure out how to just like buckle down and just fix everything and started spiraling. And then I remembered this mantra that I've repeated to myself many times because this isn't the first time I've had this uh, this thought loop kick off where what if the only problem is me thinking there's a problem? What if the problem isn't with the podcast? What if the problem isn't what I'm doing? What if the problem isn't I need to change everything about my life? What if just this feeling that there is a problem that urgently deserves my attention, what if that's the only issue? What if that's it for right now in this moment and that by letting go of that, I will solve that problem. So the problem is tricky in this way because it lures you into like, oh, you should really analyze everything that's wrong with yourself and then, then you'll, you'll fix it and then you'll feel better. But that analysis can be awful and really depressing and, and negative and not helpful. It makes us feel a lot worse. We tear ourselves to shred. We critique ourselves. So this is just a way out of that much faster saying, you know what? I'm just going to think that this urge to tear everything apart, that's the problem. I'm going to ignore it. I'm not going to tear things apart. I'm going to 
do my anchor ritual. I'm going to make myself a nice meal. I'm going to go to work. I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other. And sure enough, later that day, I was like, wow, I feel so much better. I'm glad I didn't like try and force myself to grow my podcast today in some weird fit. And so, yeah, I spoke about this with a client because it was coming up for them of all of the ways that they find themselves critiquing themselves, thinking they're broken, trying to fix that. That just leads them to feeling like they can't fix themselves and it just kind of loops. And I was like, what if we just let go of that self-improvement project for a little bit? What if that endless self-improvement project is the problem? And if you just have some days where you just do the things that you do and just are you, that's totally okay. So that brings us to our final mantra and one that is also something that needs to be unpacked a little bit. And it is do whatever you want. Don't do whatever you don't want. Now I lifted this from an album title too, because I shamelessly lift things from music that I like. That's a part of my creative process. And this is from a band called Acid Mother's Temple, which is a Japanese psych rock collective. And this was like a compilation album they put out. But I just love that phrase. Do whatever you want. Don't do whatever you don't want. And in some sense, I think that this can lead people to think that it's just this like nihilistic, egotistical, like do whatever you want. Who cares? I do not take it that way. I do not mean it that way. I think it's a way of recognizing that we do whatever we want and we don't do whatever we don't want within the bounds of our reality and the choices presented to us. So this doesn't mean if you don't want to go to work, don't go to work, just quit your job. But recognizing you go to work because you are choosing to continue that employment over quitting struggling to find a new job, getting a new job, or any of the other options. It doesn't mean that this is the best option or the only option, but recognizing that it's the option that you are choosing. And so when we think about it that way, I think one, it can become empowering. I always use the example of sometimes doing a friend a favor is annoying picking up that friend at the airport and you're like, oh my God, I have such a busy day. Why did I agree to this? And taking a moment to go, why did I agree to this? Well, because my friend asked me and I valued our friendship and the connection that saying yes would make over what would happen if I said no. And so I chose to do that, which if you really think about it and you're like, well, actually that friend's really pushy and I don't want that friendship and I don't want to do that, then say no, then be empowered and you know make that different choice. But I think sometimes we feel like we're just forced from one thing to the next and everything's out of our control. And it's helpful to realize that you are doing whatever you want and you're not doing whatever you don't want. And this comes back to me for, in a weird way, of what Aleister Crowley talks about with with true will. And this is a very weird nebulous concept. And I think he doesn't even explain it that well a lot of the time. And I think my version is probably not even necessarily what he means, but I don't think we have this one line of fate that we're just, you know, we are 
on the track and it's just taking us through like it's a small world after all and we can see the scenery but we can't really move i think that having a sense of free will is important and recognizing choice is kind of what it's all about and so when i think about don't do whatever you want what are our obligations that are maybe there because of habit are maybe there because of just sort of inertia and we can release some of those and what are the things that we're doing that maybe we've told ourselves we're doing because we have to as obligated and we can take a moment to be like no i really like doing this i've signed up for classes where you know when i first sign up i'm like this is so amazing and then by the end of it i'm like oh my god i want my wednesday night back like oh come on already but taking that moment to be like hey i, I took this class I, I signed up for it it's, it's i made the choice i'm gonna complete it like just kind of brings us back into that space of of empowerment and that connects with the final idea which is sort of the crux of this whole podcast of magic as moving towards a slightly better reality because wherever we're going it's going to be that first step that moves us forward even if i'm going to walk to the other side of the country first i'm going to take one step out of my house that's that first step and so if I find myself in these various loops, if I find myself spinning in a depressive rut or maybe an anxious spiral, I can ask myself, well, what if the only problem is you thinking there's a problem? And no, that won't change how I feel right away. But that can be an invitation for me to let go of those thought loops, those thoughts that repeat over and over, and to just do some of those anchor rituals, those things that help me connect with magic that I've done a million times that I could do with my eyes closed so I can feel that feeling of, okay, even though I feel like a giant turd, I am a wizard and I'm doing this magic that affirms that. And then I come back to do whatever you want. Don't do whatever you don't want. Maybe I told myself that I had to get a podcast on today and I really don't feel like it. And I would rather go on an adventure I'd rather drive myself to an arcade and play Dance Dance Revolution because that seems like a silly thing to do and I'm an adult and I can do that if I choose to. And recognizing that power moves me out of that negative repetition of feeling like the same old, same old and brings me into that place of possibility. Or in reverse, I can look at my day and go, oh, well, I have to go see hypnosis clients today, but instead of treating that like a chore, I can recognize that I've built my life to have this as my job and that's empowering and like step joyfully into it. And when we recognize that feeling, instead of going through those negative loops that take us away from ourselves, we're stepping into ourselves, our power and our ability to create magic that isn't going to change everything instantly in that moment but make things slightly better. So if I get out of my funk that morning, if I recognize what I want to be doing or how I want to do something differently, if I anchor myself in those rituals, by the end of that evening, I can be in a different reality. I can be in the reality where I've sat around just driving myself crazy with negative self-talk all day, or I can be in the reality where I texted that friend randomly and they said, hey, let's go do something. And now I'm hanging out and I'm feeling a lot better. And I go, yeah, this is slightly better than being at home feeling miserable. And that's the power that I'm trying to share with all of you all the time. 
That's why I'm a wizard. That's why I sat down at this microphone and spent my afternoon doing what I wanted to do, which is to make sure that I repeated myself thoroughly so that you could really understand this is what I mean when I say, I believe in you. Your magic is real.